Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. Welcome to the Blizzard's Greatest Games podcast. Joining Jonathan Wilson and myself today is James Horncastle of ESPN, BBC, BT Sport, On the Continent fame. My goodness, James, you've done it all. Is there anybody I don't work for? Well, you're with us now, so th- th- you've got... Well, it was a really set. obvious one so far. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, uh, James, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, we go to um, the European Cup. In, uh-huh. in the late 80s, this is the game you've chosen. Milan away to Red Star. Uh, or to use the local name. Zenas Vegeta. Zenas Vegeta. So uh, Red Star or what Jonathan just said. Uh, Vegeta. Yeah. <laughs> Milan or Milan. Indeed. <laughs> We've got it all here. All bases covered. Um, but why have you gone for this game, James? Well, I think when people think about Saki's Milan, mm. they tend to be two games. Um, one right at the end of his first season. Um, when they go to Naples and they take on Maradona's Napoli, uh, the champions, and they beat them 3-2. They overtake them in Serie A um, and they get a standing ovation um, from the crowd at the San Paolo. And the other is later in the European Cup in this season uh, when they play Real Madrid and they beat them 5-0, which is seen as one of the all-time great performances in that competition. But so just to be clear, we're talking about 88, 89. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And, and this, yeah, this, this, we're talking specifically about Zvezda 1, Milan 1. Exactly. And I think this is a game that is often forgotten about. Uh, in the second round, um, Milan, uh, they play the first leg at San Siro and they draw 1-1. One, one. Um, and Was that a little bit of a surprise? It was a surprise, so much so. And Red Star made such an impression um, on, on Milan that... You had like some Marco van Basten coming out afterwards and um, saying, I think we've messed this up. I think we're out. Um, they were very pessimistic about their ability to go to Belgrade and get a result. Um, but the reason why, why I've chosen the second leg or the second second leg, as we'll get to, 
is because I think this is a pivotal moment in the legend of Saki, the legend of this great Milan side, which is one of the three club teams to change the course of football history, if you like, with Rinus Meckles' Ajax, this Saki's Milan side and Pep's Barcelona, and how close they came um, to going out um, at this stage. And the what if questions, you know, if they go out, what happens? Saki, probably within a few weeks, I think loses his job, doesn't win the first of back-to-back European Cups. And maybe this Milan side does not have the place in posterity that it does now. Um, so I think it, it's a very pivotal game in, in the history of, of, of one of the all-time great sides. A sliding managers. doors moment. I mean, I know sports full of sliding doors moments, technically speaking. But mm. no, I mean, th- I mean th- this really is because of the, the set of circumstances is so one. weird. Mm. You know, if this is not just a, a shot at the post rather than going in, mm-hmm. or a weird deflection or something. The fact that a game is is abandoned when Milan looked like going out. But I mean, let, let's 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 briefly let's talk about the first leg. Mm. Um, so it's nil and a half time, and then two minutes after half time, Milan's famous back four. Is absolutely all over the place, <laughs> and as a result of this, Stojkovic, Dragan Stojkovic, arguably the greatest Serbian player ever, is able to to get the ball. Goes past Maldini, goes past Baresi, which if you're going to beat two people in a run, and hammers his finish into the top corner past uh, Galli. Mm. It's fair to say he liked a hammered finish. Yeah, Stojkovic. Well, he, he could place the ball while hitting it really hard <laughs> and putting curl on it. Yeah. Stojkovic um, has a great tie over um, all three legs, <laughs> if, if we want to put it like that. And I think one of the things that really stands out um, over the over the course of uh, this second round is how the relationship between Stojkovic and Savicevic, which Saki in uh, all of his you know after dinner speeches and his uh, his books because he keeps publishing them. It's the thirtieth anniversary, incidentally, this year of. This uh, this triumph um, says well you know with Savicevic and Stojkovic on the pitch um, you needed two balls because they're just both so selfish you know the kind of tens that I would never have in my team and unfortunately I was unlucky enough to have Savicevic in my second spell at Milan and that's what did me and instead <laughs> you watch the pair of them in 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 these two and a half games and the the, the ability to find each other um, it's almost like they're they're, um, they're often connected by a piece of string. Uh, it's great. But to finish the, the, the chat on the first leg, I suppose, you have Milan more or less instantly get back into it. Um, well, it's so quickly that the replays of the first goal are still being shown yeah. as you hear a cheer in the background and realise Milan have equalised. And this is the theme of the, the tie, I suppose. Um, goals that no one really saw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you have... Uh, Pietro Paolo Viedis, um, who um, now runs a, a wine bar uh, in Milan, Il Gusto di Viedis, if you ever want to go there, <laughs> and uh, he's always someone who has like kind of a um, kind of a brush of a mustache, um, grey hair, grey hair, mm-hmm. yeah, sort of salt and pepper hair, and didn't really fit the kind of striker that Ariosaki wanted in his his team. He was he was just a goal scorer, uh, really. Um, and yeah, he sort of against all odds in the first couple of years of Saki being at Milan was able to be in the team quite regularly and score big goals um, because in the first year Van Basten is pretty much out injured 
for the entire season. He only plays three games from start to finish. In the second season, this one, you have Hullet, who is in and out of the team with fitness struggles, um, niggling injuries and that sort of thing. And Virdis is, is able to profit, but they get back into the game. It finishes 1-1. And as I say, there was this real kind of sense that we're in for a fight here because Jonathan and I were talking about this off air a little earlier. You look at the names in this Red Star side, it's not the one that won the European Cup a few years later. They, yeah, there's four players mm. um, from this team, if you include, uh, well, sorry, from the starting lineup of a, of a second, second leg, which is the same as the starting lineup of the first, second leg. Mm-hmm. There's four of them play in the final in 91 when, when Zvezda win it. So there's Stojanovic, the goalkeeper, uh, the two fullbacks, uh, Shabnazovic and Najdoshki, and Savicevic. Stojkovic obviously is gone by then. Then you have Poznetsky, a young Poznetsky. Who's just won the under twenty World Cup with with Yugoslavia in Chile the previous year, and he comes off the bench. Uh, so I don't know, what, twenty minutes to go or something in the in the second second leg. <laughs> um, so it's it's there's a really a lot of rebuilding goes on uh, be- between this mm. defeat and and the Zvezda that, that win the European Cup in ninety one. Mm. We, we've mentioned a lot about the second second leg. We're going to have to get through some of the games because some <laughs> people may not have a clue what we're going on about here. So the first leg in in Milan ends one all they go to Yugoslavia and they play what should have been the second leg but now we're referring to it as the first second leg uh, and they get themselves into a bit of trouble James yeah they uh, go behind mm-hmm. um, and again it is uh, it's Dragan Stojkovic mm-hmm. um, setting up this time Savicevic but uh, you can, should go on YouTube yeah. to see if you can see this goal because um, it's amazing. There's some Yugoslav commentary, uh, I think, uh, of maybe 20, 30-minute highlight thing, and it gets towards the end. And you see um, this goal, which I think is just into the um, second half. Yeah, five, five minutes after half time. And you don't know what the commentator is commentating on from, it, <laughs> from the kind of uh, the stadium kind of uh, lateral stand camera pan because all it is is just this kind of yellow fog. Well, Bel- Belgrade, if anybody, if people who haven't been there, sits at where the, the Sava River meets the Danube. And so it's in a valley, or in sort of these two valleys come together. And it, there's a tendency for fog to, to sit there. And the fog that night was really, really thick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in some respects, it's, it's remarkable that the game went on as long as it did. Mm. And you hear the commentator... Uh, and he's just muddling through it. I, to be honest, my serbo croat is not good enough no. to know what he's saying. But you hear the crowd sort of go, yes, yes, and then roar like this. And he's like, well, what's happened? <laughs> he, he has no idea. And then they, they cut to another angle. There's a camera behind the goal. Exactly, yeah. Where you can see Gally quite clearly. <laughs> and then you can see just grey. Yeah. And sort of this, you see this sort of red and white shirt. And speech which I'm guessing is around, but it's just outside the box, I, th- I think. Mm. But if it turned out he's 15 yards out, that might also be true. <laughs> yeah. And that suddenly there's a ball just exploding into the net, and you've got no idea where it's come from. <laughs> and yeah, the the idea that they they thought that was in any way playable. Mm. I mean, my understanding was that the rule, the law, or the guideline was, if a referee stood in, on the centre spot, he had to be able to see the crossbars at both ends. 
Well, this now, is impossible. I'm not sure you can see the crossbar from the penalty spot, never mind <laughs> yeah. the centre spot. Yeah, and because uh, if you look at that uh, angle behind the goal again, you see kind of uh, what Galley, how he is assessing the situation because he's at the what would be the far post to where the goal ends up going in. And you're kind of, what's he looking at here? What's he following? And then he's kind of tentatively sort of stepping across his goal. And by that time, the ball's, ball's into the top corner on the other side. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, just incredible. Then seven minutes later, the ref uh, from Germany, Dieter Pauli, decides enough is enough. But he's already done one of the very, or two of the very significant things. And, and, and this, is, this is great. So the, uh, the Milan coaching staff, um, they, don't, they kind of become aware that a goal has gone in. But they, <laughs> news gets to them. They, <laughs> they, they then go down uh, to down the tunnel, the long tunnel that the American are, um, and get into the dressing room. And they see Pietro Paolo Viedis already in a suit and tie. Uh, and they're like, hang on a minute, how have you got changed so quickly? He's like, I was sent off. 15 minutes ago <laughs> and they didn't know so so they were a goal down and down to 10 men and they had no idea and he'd been sent off for punching Goran Jewish yeah well did he think he'd get away with it in the fog <laughs> so uh, I mean this is yeah as it transpires Milan are in a, a, a big hole yeah you know, they've they're, they're first leg drawn 1-1 one, one, conceded an away goal now they're a goal down and a man down and yeah, thankfully there is uh, that the gods intervene, mm. the fog descends, and it's decided that they should play the game again for the following day um, at one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, hopefully, with a bit more daylight. Hopefully, the fog has cleared. Um, but but did this needed? Um, but did the referee not ask? The, um, the he couldn't re- find him. <laughs> <laughs> he disappeared. He was away. <laughs> um, w- but was it was it not put to both managers? So obviously Milan were very keen to to play the next game, and they and and some of the the Red Star players were surprised that the manager or, the, or the, whoever it was asked agreed to do this because they thought we had them by the throat there. Or was well, it, was initially, it all... uh, on the footage that I've seen, you see the Red Star players gather around the referee. Yeah. Um, but I think it's hard to dispute the decision because the fog is so bad right. that um, the idea of playing another half an hour, mm-hmm. um, it just looks nigh on impossible. Uh, it's not like fog that it's gonna, it's I've ever clear. really seen. Um, well, I was trying to think what the thickest fog I'd ever seen a game <laughs> played in. And it was, um, I think it was that, do you remember that Bosnia the Island playoff? Ah, yeah. And that was, on the TV, it, it, the TV cut through the fog much better than actually mm-hmm. being there. And um, an island goal was scored. Mm. And you knew the goal had been scored, but I had absolutely no idea who the player was who got it. Just, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just a vague green shape. And then the crowd reaction told you the ball had gone in, but no real notion. But this was way thicker, thicker than even than that. I yeah, mean, mm-hmm. I mean it is blanket. Yeah, like um, in its how opaque it is. Mm-hmm. It's. Uh, but with this replay game, uh, the sending off counts. Yeah, Severis is suspended, <laughs> and also- Ancelotti picked up a yellow card when he was suspended. Yeah. Oh right. So I wonder what. Yeah, Severis uh, to go in with the same eleven. Milan and Forza make two changes. And the, and the other great thing about um, this is that um, for the first second leg and the second second leg, <laughs> Rude Hullet yes. is a doubt, yeah. a big doubt. And you look at the lengths that Milan go to in order to try and get him fit 
for this tie. Um, basically, both um, Marco van Basten and Ruud Hullet, they didn't really trust Milan's medical staff. They had their own guys, their own physios who they were used to in Holland with the national team. And aware of that, um, Saki basically calls the Dutch physio and says, fancy coming to Belgrade? Um, we can arrange a flight for you. And so uh, they, this this tiny little private jet takes off in, in Basel, I think, goes to Amsterdam, picks up uh, Physio Troost, it then goes to Rome to pick up Adriano Galliani, the chief executive uh, of, of Milan, and then flies um, to, uh, to Belgrade. And they work on Hullet um, sort of pretty much for as long as they can. And he's on what, the like fifth floor of this Belgrade hotel doing sprints up and down the corridor to kind of work <laughs> on this kind of thigh injury that he's got. Wakes up in the morning, he's, he's still feeling pain. And Troost basically says, look, probably only going to have him for 45 minutes tops anything longer than that is a risk now as as Jonathan says they lose Verdis who's a striker anyway so they have to play Graziano Manari who is a teenager up front with Marco Van Basten and uh, and had he played much? no I mean, this is this is what again, a baptism of fire. <laughs> this is one of the things to. that Saki kind of uses to embellish his own kind okay. of legend, which is: Have you seen the Milan squad that I had? You know, you all focus on Baresi, Maldini, and uh, the three Costa Curtis, yeah. 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 <laughs> pretty good squad. Yeah, we're focusing on the ridiculous world class yeah. players. You all, you all focus on on the. the uh, those guys, well, you know, when I won the league, it was with eight guys I inherited. It's like, well, yeah, there are some of the best defenders of all time. <laughs> um, and, you know, we signed Angelo Colombo. And you know where we got him from? Udinese. <laughs> Not a big side. Carlo Ancelotti, his knees had blown out so much he couldn't move. And, uh, and all this kind of thing. And then he says, and you look at my bench. My bench, we had three goalkeepers mm. and these kids, Minari and Massimiliano Capellini, who would play a part in... Uh, in the second second leg um, come on uh, and we'll get to looks like he's going to take a part in the in the shootout but we'll, we'll get to that but anyway um, so they are decimated uh, for for this second second leg um, and again the, the atmosphere I think we should touch on the atmosphere that they experienced in in Belgrade over the two days. Um, and again, Saki kind of plays to the gallery here. He's like, you know, in my hotel the night before, you know, it's really important to get our rest in, sleep, go to bed early, can't, there's all this banging going on. Um, you know, we think it's Red Star Ultras and all this sort of thing, but no, it's it's gunfire, it's machine gunfire. And this is before the conflict had even started um, in Yugoslavia. So I think this in is... In 88? His, Wait, his, I, 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 went ho- I went on holiday in Yugoslavia in both 89 and 90. So, I was so, going to say, so, it was a very big I mean, admittedly in 90, so. we, we did on the way back, um, we did go through an army training thing. We had to, they had to like black out the windows as we drove through. <laughs> but, um. So Jonathan, this is this is where Saki's memory is, is as foggy as the second, uh, as the <laughs> first second go. leg. Um, and, and then watching the game back... Um, uh, last night what strikes you is you just hear German shepherds barking all the time during the game <laughs> and there are these German shepherds kind of being held tightly on a leash uh, oh but, but behind the uh, behind the advertising hall well the other thing is the American are mm. uh, you know, the, the, the Belgrade American are mm-hmm. is they have the advertising hoardings and then they have um, like hedges 
Yeah. Like they're working the fans back as these big box hedges. It's <laughs> 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 an odd thing. So it's like, you know, if are you want to invade if you want to invade the pitch, it's like doing the Grand National to get there. Yeah. Mm. Like, are they particularly prickly, those bushes? You know, is that well, they're, they're, they're big, thick. Yeah. Things. I mean, like, I know, but the, well, some fans can be quite determined. Though. <laughs> so, I mean, this is bizarrely the kind of weird dynamic of this tie is that on the one hand, Milan get lucky mm-hmm. in that uh, a game that is going against them gets abandoned and they get to go again the following day, especially when they were down to 10 men. But well. in the state that they're in, with the suspensions and the fitness doubts, um, and also start the second second leg. They have a perfectly legitimate goal disallowed um, where uh, I think it's Vasilyevich um, ends up putting it into his own net. It looks like it's it's well over the line um, and the referee kind of is looking at it and thinks, nah, not having it. And, and again, they sort of wave play on. Um, and this is one of a number of things that I think mentally over the course of the 120 minutes... Milan have to get over, which mm. I think makes. I mean, there's a much bigger thing coming up. Yes, but... yeah. It's funny you say that because I thought to myself after the game was called off because of the fog, I, I did wonder if they thought, right, we've got a second bite of the cherry here, and that would lift them. And, and there's perhaps an argument, but as you say, well, and the other thing you'd say about that is the, the atmosphere at one o'clock the next day was. I mean, it was um, still quite passionate raucous. enough, but yeah. it was nowhere near as hostile uh-huh. as it been. It was 88,000 there, on the, 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 the first, second leg. Um, still pretty full the next day, but wasn't as full. Mm. And, you know, a daytime game never has quite the same hostility yeah. as, a, as a night it is, game. It is Definitely. quite funny. Uh, I mean, we'll get to extra time, but just to sort of flash forward mm. there, um, uh, as they're about to kick off the first half of, of, of added time, uh, Adriano Galliani comes in uh, to the dressing room and he says, there are 140,000 out there, you know. They've opened the gates. And like uh, all of a sudden, all these, all these fans who finished work are coming in. I just, you know, don't be afraid. And saying that is kind of like, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you're on a cliff edge and saying, don't look down. Yeah. And uh, The cavalry have arrived, but I'm sure they're not that hard. And, and Hullet apparently uh, goes up to Galliani and he says, well, how, how many fans do um, Red Star usually get for games? And Galliani's kind of scratching his bald head. And he's like, 40,000? <laughs> and uh, and Hullet, Hullet says, well, it looks like the other 100,000 have come to see us. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills, or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. sastava Milana potpuno isti onaj tim koji je Arigo Saki trener šampiona Italije najavio juče na konferenciji za štampu dakle nema najboljeg igrača Evrope Ruta Gulita So you know with, with Saki there's all the sort of pomp and facade you know how much was the, what was the, the psychological effect of that so they they, they get away with it the, the match is abandoned with the fog he must have been thinking, right, hang on. We, yes, they were down. They were, I understand that they, they had a, a couple of suspensions and all that, but he must have been thinking to himself, right, we, we've got a chance here. And, and it's that little flicker that you've, you've got to kind of work with and go into. Well, I think, I mean, if you look at how well they played in that first half, um, they do they do dominate. Um, they don't, it's not a kind of high press that, again, he would sort of say, you know, this is how we played all the time. Um, they kind of, it's a bit of a half press, really, but they play most of that game, that, that first half in in Red Star's half, um, and it's only Savicevic who's able to to get them out, sort of connecting with uh, with Stojkovic, um, and he he would say again, kind of the, the provocative nature of this Red Star team was that when they kicked off that second second leg, um, Red Star I think won the toss, but gave the ball to Milan as if to say, we played you last night. And you weren't up to much then. You were ineffective. <laughs> you didn't get past us. Try. Go on. Let's see it. Because at that point, they they could play for a nil-nil and they would go through. Um, and Milan, in that first half, I think, get enough kind of encouragement to think that it's the game is going to go their way. Um, but I think you see, after even before Van Basten scores... Um, there are a couple of chances where right guards sort of testing Stojanovic from distance. Stojanovic always spills the ball. Manari probably could do better on a couple of occasions there. Um, they arguably should be 2-0 up. But I think one of the things that really changes 
um, the mentality um, for the team and, and could have gone either way is what happens to Donadoni. Well, let's deal with the goals first. Mm. So 34 minutes, Milan take the lead. It's a free kick just mm. to the left of the, of the box, uh, taken short. Um, it's Donadoni, isn't it? It is Donadoni, yeah. He sort of works a bit of space for the cross. Cross to the back post, Van Basten heads, heads it in. It's a lovely goal. Uh, Milan won up three minutes. Uh, so five minutes later, that link-up you're talking about between Savicevic and Stojkovic. Savicevic chip over the top, Stojkovic runs on. Bang, absolutely amazing. Hammers there there it is again. <laughs> amazing goal. Also for just um, how Savicevic... I mean, it's a, it's a Milan attack which is broken down. I think Minari loses the ball. He then gives away a free kick and Juric, I think it is, decides to take a quick free kick and he just goes long to Savicevic, who I think he's got Costa Curta uh, lingering around him and Costa Curta doesn't know what to do uh, because Savicevic comes short to get the ball. So Costa Curta comes out, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm miles away. <laughs> I'm miles away from I'm comfortable with here. And, uh, and he starts to back off, which gives Savicevic the time to chest it down. He plays one keepy-uppy. And then in the same movement, just turns and lifts it over to um, to Stojkovic. And Tesotti's like, oh my God, I can't, I can't catch him. <laughs> and the only way Galli is going to save this shot is if he swallows it because yeah. it's right down his throat. It's a fantastic goal. Um, if, if, and maybe one that's been lost. I don't know, maybe people that haven't seen it. But if you want to kind of know how good these two players are in particular, I mean, yeah. it's, it's illustrative of that. Well, you know, I know this... Um this wasn't the yeah. This was the yeah, the very slightest foundations of the side that went on to to win the European Cup in '91. But I always think of that that great um, Graham Seamus Walter Smith story. That uh, which one was that? So um, Rangers played Svejda in the quarter final in '90 to '91, and Seamus is obviously the Rangers manager, and he sends Walter Smith, who was his assistant, that's right, oh, yeah. to to go and watch them. And uh, comes back with a two-word report. That's right. <laughs> We're fucked. That's <laughs> yes. Yeah, and he was right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, very accurate reporting. Um, so, yes, back to the game. So, uh, it's one all mm. and, and all to play for. But this time, Milan, um, the onus is a bit more on, on Red Star because Milan have now... Equaled yeah. it up on away goals, yeah. So um, both sides need to, to. So Milan really just need a draw. Yeah, Red Star two-two draw. Or start to open up mm. uh, and are a little a little bit bolder than than, than they had been. Um, but uh, you have this incident uh, where um, Donadoni goes up uh, for a ball and Vasilyevich essentially manages to headbutt and elbow him in the same move. <laughs> um, and uh, this is a really uh, traumatic uh, event because I think um, it quite quickly uh, becomes clear to not only the Milan players but the Red Star players as well that Donadoni is very badly injured and it turns out that he has broken his jaw his, No, I don't think he has Well, isn't it the lower part of his jaw? It's a serious well, injury nonetheless Well, yeah, c- c- carry on, go on, sorry Well, okay, so I mean fr- from from... Uh, Milan's kind of story on this is that his jaw is broken they can't open his mouth he risks to swallow his tongue 
they have to they have to really open they have to force open his his uh, his jaw and mouth cool. and then get his tongue out. So the story I I heard was that he you know he he'd sw- you know was in danger swallowing his tongue mm. or which apparently is physiologically impossible. Whatever people mean when they say mm. that that there's a danger of the airway being blocked. Yeah, and his vegetative physio then breaks his jaw in order to clear the airway. Okay, and so his vegetative physio has kind of realised quick enough mm. how serious this is. And then quick punch, break the jaw, you know, release the pressure. Wow. I mean... What a that, man. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that would also uh, correspond with the general's Fezda strategy throughout the game, <laughs> I was which was, which was very runs, hard knocks, Runs I would throughout say. the club, that guy. <laughs> yeah. um, but you see the effect that this have, has on, on the Milan players um, because Maldini uh, would later come and say he's like, Donadoni is blue in the face. Um, they think he's they think he's gone. They think he's dead. Um, and you see players on their haunches, then falling to the ground, head in hands. Um, and as he stretched it off, anyway, Hullet Hullet runs on. <laughs> Hullet runs on in his cycling shorts to protect those thighs that you know and uh, and and the muscle that's been a, a, an issue for him. And the only guy who kind of high fives him is Beresi. So you got these two kind of Beresi's cool as you like. You see it throughout the game, but everyone else is like, oh god. And Hullet's like, all right, lads, it's on in it. And uh, <laughs> yeah. and and the thing is, I think the I mean I tried to pick this up on the on the video, but they say that they hear the Svezda fans um, boo and whistle as the stretcher um, goes off. And and that kind of galvanizes this Milan team that you know we're not we're not leaving here without qualification. We're going to do this. Um, and I mean, news does filter through throughout the game about Donadoni's health that he's he's doing better. But I mean, it, again, if if you look back at at the footage of of that instant, it must be after. However, they're opening his mouth to stop him swallowing his tongue. Whether it's with this. Red Star, uh, right hander. Yeah, right. That, that certainly is a story that's very much believed in Belgrade. That's you know, that's yeah. Those are reliable people telling me that. Yeah, so. you see the pain that Donadoni must be going oh, through man. because his legs are just flipping, um, yeah, thumping, uh, going up He's and down, twitching. Away, and twitching what, yeah. yeah, and it's uh, it's not a pleasant sight. So again, Milan after losing Viedis, Ancelotti, they lose the guy who has just assisted their goal. And Hullet, who's half fit, uh, is is coming on for them, uh, and they've also just conceded as well. So I mean, it's it doesn't look good for them, mm-hmm. uh, I, I would say. Um, but they still manage to to find a way. They managed to get to penalties, mm. and uh, and and that's and that's of course how they won the game. Was it was it four two on penalties? But but you're right. I, I, what I find fascinating is. You would think the way the story goes that they were down and out in that uh, the first second leg as, as as we've dubbed it, and you think ah oh, they'll come roaring back. It wasn't the case. Mm. They needed to fight tooth and nail, which showed the character. Yeah, they rode their luck. Of course they did. They got they got lucky, you know. Um, but actually, the character of that side for all those things to to get to penalties, and then the quality of their penalties. Yeah, I mean, Berezi with the first and that you see. The, the, the great sadness uh, of one of the sad things about the 1994 World Cup final was I remember Beresi blazing his penalty over the bar. But actually, this is the penalty you want to remember him by because Beresi smashes it into the roof of the net to get Milan going yeah. in the penalty shootout. And then really, they, they didn't look back. 
Also, and, Jonathan, you were saying um, off air about Red Star and penalties and shootouts. Was it already the case in the? Yeah, I don't know actually if it was the case this season, but certainly by the time they won it in in 1991, uh, drawn games in the Yugoslav League were settled by penalty shootouts. So something like I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but something like you got four points if you won the game in 90 minutes, two points if you won it on a shootout, one point if it was a draw, but you lost on the shootout. So. One of the reasons Sveshta was so happy to play for penalties in that 91 final was they were looking at the Marseille team. They were seeing Chris Waddle, who just missed a penalty in the World Cup, Dragan Stojkovic, who just missed a penalty in the World Cup. Although, as it turned out, he refused to take a penalty. He, he says because they, they didn't start him in the game. So, if you don't trust me from the start, you can't trust me from the spot. Or, I'm crapping it because I just missed one in the World Cup quarter final. <laughs> <laughs> um, you had Amaros, who, who'd been in the France side when they'd lost on penalties to West Germany. Stojanovic, the goalkeeper, was sort of renowned for his penalty-saving ability. Um, plus, they had players who were used to, like, not every week, but on a regular basis, to taking penalties in a high-pressure situation. So they were pretty confident if it got to a shootout, mm. they were going to win. I suspect that came in after this season. I don't think they, they did it for a long time. So yeah. I think that was that was still in the future. But as it turned out, Savicevic missed. Yeah. I mean, a terrible penalty for the player. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I suppose... Well, he tried to put it down the middle. Skillful players have missed penalties. But it's a soft, straight penalty. It was, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Mirkula, the, the substitute, also misses. And, and yeah, 4 2 uh, with Perez, Van Basten, Navani, and, and Rijkaard. Rijkaard scoring the, the decisive. Mm-hmm. The and decisive this was kick. a real moment of vindication for Saki because yeah. the big uh, discussion in the uh, off season was about who Berlusconi wanted them to sign. And uh, Berlusconi very much had been taken by this Argentine, Claudio Borghi, um, who would later go on to manage Chile. And Saki, as we've, we've mentioned about his opinion of tens, like Savicevic <laughs> and that sort of, was having none of this. I do not want and this Borghi guy. And Borghi was a very Argentinian ten, a proper, <laughs> yeah. an old school death. Yeah. Uh, and, and so Saki, who, a little bit like Pep um, until recently, He'd always sign kind of one-year rolling contracts because he had so much stress. You know, it's just such a stressful business. I mean, I'm not going to make light of that because it was a, a genuine... This is something that kept him up at night, drained him, burnt him out. It's one of the reasons why his star burned so brightly in the game, but kind of so briefly. Um, so he would always kind of threaten to leave. I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll just pack it in and you can just get that guy who's working for the bank for you. Fabio, what's his name? Capello, Jesus. And, uh, I mean, this Saki story, I mean, we, we haven't got time to go into detail, but it is an extraordinary story that mm. no football background whatsoever. No. Working as a shoe salesman mm. in his yeah. father's factory. Yeah. And then Jack's in to become a coach, uh, gets his break with Palmer, who mm. uh, were a Serie C team and they beat Milan in the in the Coppa Italia yep. and that persuades Berlusconi to give him a job so he's gone in seven years from being a shoe salesman to being the manager of AC Milan <laughs> and also being bad. able to tell the most powerful man in Italy uh, Silvio Berlusconi to say like you want this Claudio Borghi guy you can sign him but you're going to have to send him out on loan somewhere like Como because I want Frank Reichard and the fascinating thing about that is Reichard was a centre back at the time mm. Um, I, I still think probably Rijkaard's best position was as a centre-back. Yeah. And he's got Beresi and Costa Curta. Yeah. But he obviously saw Rijkaard having a role at the back of midfield, mm. yeah. which he you know, he did do brilliantly because I guess he maybe the, maybe the Dutch model of centre-back adapts very easily to playing as a, as a holding midfielder. And again, the kind of legend of this game is that not only does Saki kind of turn to Berlusconi and say, I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, when they come to um, draw up a list of who's going to take the penalties, 
Saki's like, um, yeah, I'm going to put Capellini there. Seventeen year old. So Capellini come off the bench with five minutes of extra time remaining mm. to replace uh, Manari. Yeah. And uh, fight guard comes up to uh, Saki and he says, "You seen the lad? His legs are trembling. <laughs> His legs are trembling. He's never gonna. He's never gonna score this pen. I'll take it. Really? And that's why he takes the final penalty. He's in it and he buries it. Right. And Saki cool. always he says because you can hear it clang mm. in off the post. Yeah. And Saki is like, yeah. "That's my man." That's my boy, yeah. <laughs> Frankie. Frankie. Well, an, an extraordinary uh, turn of events, and as you say, what a, a pivotal moment in the in the career. Of yeah, Saki. because and also in the, in the history of Milan. Much, yeah, much and wider. I, I think um, if we, uh, Jonathan mentioned it there about Saki's story, and all the kind of um, the clash of cultures, how he was an iconoclast in Italian football, and that he wanted to play uh, proactive, attacking football. He didn't believe in everything that he'd been told about what Italian football identity was about, which was, you know, we're a country that's been invaded over and over over the centuries and we just kind of, you know, sort of defend and resist and that sort of thing. And then we might might be able to have a little bit of a counter and get something out of this. And he's like, no, I don't want any of that. Well, there's this idea, wasn't it? I mean, which I, I guess Gianni Brera, the, the, the great... Mm, ideologue of... of yeah, the, the sort of... The Italian Glanville, or maybe Glanville's Italian Glanville. Um, but, you know, the sort of dominant football journalist of the, the 60s and 70s, he had this idea that Italians were physically weak, and that's mm. why they had to play this this reactive, counter-attacking football. And Saki, you'd been the shoe salesman going around Europe, going, no, we're exactly the same size as everybody else. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I've got the shoe measurements. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, 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 of course, yeah, they win that game, and as you say, they hammer Real Madrid. But it's interesting, Marcus, why I say this is, is pivotal is because yeah. that second round game and particularly the circumstances of those two legs in Belgrade mm -hmm. it takes a hell of a toll from Milan mm -hmm. um, in part because um, well you, you see that what their results are immediately afterwards they lose four of the next seven games mm -hmm. and they go from being in the title race with Giovanni Trapattoni's Inter to being nowhere near it you know, they go from being one point behind to ten points behind mm -hmm. come the turn of the year there is um, Aldo Biscardi, this TV presenter who had Il Processo di Biscardi, the trial, Biscardi's trial, where he'd essentially be the judge and hold court every <laughs> every Sunday or Monday about everything that had gone on at the weekend in, in Italian football. And he's it's on Berlusconi's channel. And he's, he's so there was always this kind of, if Berlusconi wanted to get a message across, he'd call Biscardi. And he's like, all right, well, I've been told that, you know, after this defeat to Cesena, Saki's gone. And uh, and ultimately, Berlusconi always stood by him. Now, whether he would have stood by him had they already gone out of the the European Cup and then suffered those defeats and they were falling away, I don't know. Um, yeah, because there were a lot of very, particularly in the beginning, but also in that second season, critical moments in Saki essentially being given the faith and being allowed to implement his ideas and see them flourish. Because shortly after he gets the job, they lose to Espanyol in the in the UEFA Cup, and they go out, and already everyone's saying this is an eighty-seven eight, eighty-seven eight, and they're all saying this damn shoe salesman, yeah, you know, he, he's he doesn't know anything about football, you know, he's yeah, you know, he's come from Parma, I don't know him, and you've got people like Brera, who's like he's trying to implement a kind of football which will never work here. You know, it's like um, you know taking a Brazilian to a churrascaria or something where they serve steak and asking them to serve vegan food. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> and uh, and ultimately, Berlusconi stands by him. But I do think, had they gone out of that, the European Cup at that stage, 
which was the be-all and end-all for Berlusconi. He understood earlier than anyone that if you want to leave a mark in football history, if you want to make a name for yourself quickly, as he wanted to do, um, both as an individual for his own political purposes, but also as a president, you had to win the European Cup. Mm. Um, and whether they do or not, because ultimately they finished third in the league in 88-89, uh, they only qualified for the following year as champions of Europe. So they don't get the other opportunity. Saki flames out, maybe. Yeah, it's yeah. I think it's a it's a pivotal moment in football history that game. Yeah, definitely. And uh, but a great shame for Red Star though. Yeah, and we we should say Donadoni was back for the final. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. all all's well that ends well. Indeed, indeed. But yeah, as we say, great start, uh, great shame for for Red Star. But they did win uh, the European Cup a few years later. Um, but yes, weather um, hindering the the team from the Balkans. Of course, weather didn't always hinder sportsmen uh, from the Balkans. Goran Ivanisevic was lucky against Tim Henry <laughs> in that semi-final <laughs> at Wimbledon. Of course, rain helped him there. Um, but uh, is he a Hajduk split fan? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, Tim Henry. He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he invested in Hajduk for a while. Yeah. Did he? Mm. So yeah. Um, but yeah, James. Uh, a real pleasure talking to you about that. Thank you, everybody. That was the Blizzard's uh, Greatest Games podcast recorded in Outset Studios in South Wimbledon. Um, an amazing tie and, and as you say James very pivotal indeed in the history of Milan and, uh, and Saki thank you James pleasure Jonathan always a pleasure and uh, we shall see you next time everybody That was Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. Next week, we're back with another classic game of football from history, so don't you dare miss it. This was a Radio Stakhano production. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.